Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. Our guest today is Dagmar Akhtosaba. Dagmar, thank you very much for joining us today. Johnny, thank you so much for inviting me to do this with you. Now, you are a, a spiritual healer, correct? That's correct, yes. Okay. Tell us about your work and how that relates to past lives and past life regression, or if there's any similarities. Well, I mean, it all, I mean, most of it relates to past life regressions because I actually don't do anything different when I regress somebody to a past life versus regress somebody into an incident or a, an event in this life. Because in essence, from a spiritual standpoint, you know, our past lives are just a little bit further on our time track. Okay. Right. Okay. So, when I actually do work with people, I work with people on a subconscious level. And uh, to the contrary of what most um, like psychics do out there as far as past lives, they tend to like tell you what lives you've lived. I don't do that. What I do is I actually connect the client with their own memories, if you will, of their own past lifetimes. And they tell me what they see. So I work with people on a subconscious level in a very light meditative, meditative state. It's not hypnosis. Basically, based on our conversation beforehand, I come up with questions to ask of the subconscious to take you to specific events where you experience some kind of a trauma or pain that may have mm -hmm. left uh, some unresolved issues or residues within your soul that keeps still manifesting in your present time right now, okay? And okay. so people by themselves, if they need to, if that's where the event is, will go into a past lifetime. And because the veil is so thin right now, people have, it's not hard for people to see their past lives. They will slip into some event, describe it like it happened yesterday, and it, they know that it's not from this life. It's from another life. From another life. So right. one of the main differences then between your work and what a lot of psychologists will do with the parasite regression is that you induce that state by meditation rather than hypnosis. Is that correct? Right. Through meditative state and me asking questions right. of the person and the person then going back into whatever event they're being asked to go into. Okay. And then they see a picture, an image, or they sense something, or they feel something. Usually there's uh, there is emotions associated with the actual event. And, you know, quite often people are very surprised by it. And so they think, oh, it's some image that I've seen somewhere else that has nothing to do with past lives that I'm seeing, right? And I always tell them, well, here's how you can tell the difference between whether it's real or something imaginary is if your emotions are associated with it. So in other words, they get sad or, you know, they actually feel like it's happened. You know, the actual experience, right? They have that emotion in it, right? Or they feel overwhelmed or fear or anxiety suddenly. Because when you go back into that pain memory, you actually feel things, including you can turn on what I call somatics, so physical symptoms, like all of a sudden you're, you know, a uh, big toe could start hurting for some reason, right? Just because mm -hmm. it's part of that pain memory. And so that's how I tell people they know the difference is when their emotions are involved in it, right? Right. That makes sense. So it sounds like the emotions are kind of a trigger. Well, the emotions, there's certain emotions that we've experienced during the event that are kind of stuck in the actual event because we haven't fully processed it, okay? And so 
what is a trigger to an event like that on a subconscious level is actually anything that has been recorded in that experience in our subconscious mind. So say, for example, if you, you know, hurt your knee next to a red wall, right? And then it was raining outside and somebody at the same time was saying, I love you. Okay, now you recorded that entire event, right, in your subconscious mm-hmm. mind. So now it's five years later, you knee healed and all that good stuff, right? But now you're walking by a red, you know, something, you know, red curtain or something. And that color red will remind your subconscious mind of this event. And that's how it triggers it. Now, what happens when it triggers it, it actually brings you back into that memory on a subconscious level without you even knowing. And now you are actually re-experiencing the emotions in the event. So now you actually can turn on suddenly your knee hurting. Five years later, after there's no reason for it to hurt anymore, just because you're running in that memory. And so now all of a sudden your knee can hurt, but you're like contributing it to, oh, you know, but the weather is kind of, you know, funky today. And so my knee, you know, you don't realize that it's happening that. So that's how we trigger certain things. And so an event that's anything similar to what happened to you before and the subconscious notices it because it hasn't been processed, right? You can Mm -hmm. trigger into that event and suddenly you're actually riding the emotional wave of that event. Okay. You had um, mentioned something about the veil being currently very thin. Yes. What is the reason for that at this point in the world's history? Right. That's a very good question. And I think it has everything to do with the ascension process that we're in. It's basically us trying to move from the third dimension into a much higher dimension to the fifth dimension. Okay. And it's a much higher vibration. The energies are very different. You know, it's more of a love-based existence rather than fear-based existence and so forth, right? And so basically in order for us to rise in the vibration into this higher dimension, we absolutely must, must, must offload our karma or what I call also unresolved experiences, which includes our past life unresolved experiences, okay? Okay. Because that... Makes sense. Because the pain of it that we carry is actually heavy to the soul. And so imagine a hot air balloon, if it's trying to rise, and those sacks of sand are keeping it on the on the ground, right? Well, imagine the sacks of sand being your unresolved stuff, your unresolved pain, right? So as soon as you throw that out of the balloon, then all of a sudden the balloon can rise now. That's a great analogy. I like that. Is this what you refer to as the karmic treadmill? The karmic treadmill is actually what I refer to as the, you know, thing that because there is more to the unresolved experiences than just it being, they're being heavy. All right. In fact, what most people won't tell you or the secret that actually even secret won't tell you is the fact that we manifest with our unresolved experiences. So if we haven't fully resolved something, we may actually energetically create a situation or attract the right person in order to help us recreate energetically something we've experienced in the past before so that we on a soul level can actually process it. That's the whole reason behind it. And so what happens is we keep repeating events that perhaps are dysfunctional, right? Because it's around pain. 
And so we keep going around in circles because quite often we don't heal from that event, you know, again. And so we create another event. We don't heal from the event. So we shove it again. So there goes another layer on top of the last one. And then here we go, recreating it again. You know what that sounds like? What? I just thought of people that have relationship issues and they go to counseling for it. And it sounds like it could be a case of someone who wants to do the right thing with, let's say, his girlfriend, because mm-hmm. he keeps making the same mistakes over and over again. Exactly. It yeah. sounds like that's a pretty good example of what it you're is. talking about. And I was going to actually uh, uh, tell you about an extreme example of that, and that is like, say, for example, the abused woman who will you know, think to herself, well, this time I'm going to meet the right guy you know, a nice guy. And then she ends up attracting just the right abuser. Interesting. And then they get together and they do the abuse tango together, right? Trying to work things out on a soul level. Right. But most often, you know, it just creates more pain on top of the, you know, pain she already has around it. Now that's a, another mm-hmm. karmic question I have. Sure. Is this because, let's say, let's take the abused woman. Is this most likely because she has a history of dating that type of guy in current times, we call him a bad boy. Not that that's really a good thing, well, but it's not necessarily the history of dating. It may be the history of abuse, though. So, for example, she may have experienced abuse with her father, who okay. may have been alcoholic and uh, be abusive, right? And mm-hmm. so then she goes out to meet uh, a nice guy and she'll attract her father figure. So she's basically adding up her karma, debits or credits, whatever you want to call it. How does she get off of that treadmill? Upload it and get off yeah. the treadmill and move closer to ascension rather than basically spinning the proverbial wheel. That's a very good question. Exactly. And So how you get off that treadmill and stop this whole cycle is basically through healing. And what I call Ariel quantum healing, which is my own methodology, if you will, of what I understand to work, which focuses specifically on healing the unresolved pain experiences in your past. And that includes this life and includes past life stuff. And when you properly heal them and you get all the layers of it, okay, because we, like I said, we keep recreating stuff, right? Then you basically uh, are done with it all. You don't, there's no reason for you to track it again. But as long as you have something unresolved in your past that is abusive or whatever, you'll attract more of it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that just makes sense because I've heard other researchers in the field talk about karma and it's a little bit different. Let's say, let's take the abusive husband or whoever that might be onto the next life. It's almost like a polarity switch where. He is the one that is kind of like a victim and the abuse basically comes back to him. So that, that's why I ask, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? The definition of actually soulmate is someone we've traveled past mm-hmm. lifetimes with and we um, have them now as mates. They became friends, so to speak, right? That includes people who may be abusive to you. You know, you may know them mm-hmm. from a past lifetime. Like say, for example, your father who's abusive. And in some cases, you may even have spiritual contract with that person to actually treat you in a certain abusive way because you as a soul signed up to want to learn something. That is pretty consistent as well, especially in the work of Michael Mm -hmm. Newton. And I've heard uh, Richard Martini talk about that too, 
where a certain person goes into mm-hmm. that space, the life in between life space, and he meets relatives that have passed on. That is great for him, but I also meet mm-hmm. some people that he doesn't like. And one was his mean Uncle George. And the Uncle George character says, don't mm-hmm. you remember? We had an agreement that you signed up for this, like you just said. Yes. And so, you know, that can play all a role in whatever our experiences, right? Because, yeah, we sign up for things in between lives, and then we yeah, forget about it. Of course. Right? And then we're experiencing all this pain and you know, what the heck, you know, did I ever think? Why would we do that? That would be easy. (laughs) Of course, things are never as easy as they should be. Can you give us an example of when someone passes and they go into that space where they meet their council of elders or their relatives, or, or maybe they're the same thing, and they get into these soul contracts, which I think is also related to the soul group concept, whether these, some of these people, you know, you might have been in multiple lifetimes with the same people. How do they go from this plane into that space and back again? I'm not sure I'm understanding what you mean by here and then back again. Let's say I die tomorrow, God forbid, and then I go to wherever that place is where it's it's lives between lives. Right. Okay. You want to call them a guardian angel or someone in the council of elders basically says, okay, John, you did this right. You know, there's some other things you didn't, you didn't do so well. So we're going to give you a choice. You can either go back and like you say, there's a small contract. So they go back because there are things they need to learn in order to grow spiritually. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So you're asking basically, how did they come back into this life? Is that what they say? Well, you're reborn is what happens. Is a soul contract, is that pretty much necessary for everyone? Or do some people die and then come back immediately, as far as you know? Uh, what do you mean by well, immediately? Let's say I'm not sure it, I'm someone passes from this life. Yeah. And I think what I'm asking is they, they pass from this life and they're reincarnated a lot sooner. Do you have some experience in your work where you actually see that or not necessarily? What the, the the fact that they came sooner as opposed to later? I have not gotten any specifics about any kind of like necessarily time frames, but in terms of how fast we reincarnate mm-hmm. back into this life again, I guess it all depends on each individual person, right? Would be my it's guess a pretty on large that question. One. I know, I know. I'm curious about. And there's probably millions of people that are that are asking the same thing. Now, in the work, talk about ascension moving from the third dimension to the fifth dimension. What do we know, people that want to grow spiritually, they want to get to higher ground, what are the cliff notes on that that they actually need to know? Well, the key aspect to ascending is Mm -hmm. offloading your karma, okay? Because, and when I'm talking about offloading it, I'm actually talking about healing, the transformation, the actual integration of your unresolved experiences, because when you properly integrate them from a healing standpoint, you are also transforming the pain into wisdom for the soul from which the soul then grows. And the soul also grows not just metaphorically, but actually in mass. So in other words, there becomes more energy of you all of a sudden because you grew. It makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. So you want to, because a lot of people say, refer to the words, you know, get rid of, or let's 
shed or, you know, move out all this negative stuff. You don't want to lose any part of yourself or any, uh, any part of your energy. What you want to do is transform the negative stuff, which is the unresolved stuff, if you will, to the positive stuff, which is your wisdom. Almost like transmuting yeah. a worthless metal into gold or copper. Exactly. Exactly. Because your experiences are valuable and understand that in the third dimension, we are learning through right. our pain. Okay. And of course, I'm not talking about intellectual learning here right now, right? So I'm talking about the, the stuff that creates wisdom within your soul where you know you know something, right? When you actually went through the pain of it, right? No pain, no gain. Right, exactly. And so that's how we're learning actually in 3D is through our pain. And so quite often, though, what happens is we don't process it fully. You know, it gets too intense in the moment or whatever, or we can't deal with it right now. So we kind right. of shove it, if you will. And so then it hangs out with us as this unresolved stuff. And that unresolved stuff then acts on us. You know, it, it we manifest with its situations. It, uh, it's heavy on our soul. You know, it uh, actually, you know, our energy is tied up in it because it, it takes energy to ho mm -hmm. hold our pain in place. Mm -hmm. You know, so you might know some people, for example, that, you know, have had, say, a huge, say, physical accident, car accident or something where they uh, had physical injuries or had a significant number of losses in a very short period of time. And all of a sudden, you know, they have no energy. It's kind of like they can barely get up. They can barely deal with their everyday life. You know, it's all sitting very heavy, right? And their energy is actually tied up in the pain. Interesting. Can you give us an example of one of your clients who had an experience going into a past life? Sure. I have a number of them, actually. One client that sticks out significantly was a woman that I was doing some healings with. She kept coming to me on a regular basis. And one uh, session, she told me about her hip pain that she's had for like over 20 years. And she's been to like chiropractors, acupuncturists, tried yoga, doctors, x-rays, you know, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff, right? And nothing took the pain away. Basically, I told her she had a, she has arthritis in her hip. Well, we did one session to go back to where that was coming from. And she slipped into a past lifetime, which was a kind of a Mayan lifetime. It turns out she had been uh, part of the Mayans at one point, which was very fascinating because in her earlier life, she actually, when she was younger, she uh, took this trip. And actually, um, it dealt with education about the Mayans, and she picked up this Mayan bowl and stuff, and she was very drawn to it. And so anyway, but in this Mayan lifetime, she had injured her hip. Right, okay. And so we actually healed her in that moment of that injury when she experienced the pain in her hip and injured it. And she literally walked out of my office an hour later with no hip pain. No hip pain after just no one pain. meeting. So I'm yeah. curious because the Mayans culture is fascinating. Did she give any hint of what actually happened to them? Because as far as we know, they just, at one point, they just vanished. Oh, you mean the culture itself? No, we didn't get, no, we didn't talk about any of that. It was about her specific experience, you know, in regards to her hip. We didn't go into any details of what happened to the That's a really good example of how this type of past life regression or what you do, which is spiritual healing, can actually do just that. You go into mm -hmm. 
an issue as far back as you need to, because I've heard other psychologists tell me that the past life regression, it goes back to maybe a point in this life, and maybe it goes back to another life, but not necessarily, because like you said, they're trying to heal. It starts out like that. They're trying to heal a particular issue. Am I right? Right, exactly. And that's, uh, that's how I approach it from that angle. So we always go after you know, based on what's happening to you right now that you want to solve. So we formulate questions to ask the subconscious to take us to the right spot. And it will take us to the right spot if you formulate the questions correctly. Okay. And so, and it may be actually several different spots. Sometimes, you know, like I said, because we repeat experiences, right? So there could be some event in this life and then could be another event in the past life of something similar that happened there, right? And so okay. forth. Another question. Got time for a couple more. Sure. You mentioned masculine energies are now moving to feminine energies. Is that just another way of talking about ascension or is that something different? I think it's part of the whole, I guess, global energetic shift that we're moving through, right? So, yes, it is part of the ascension process because we're moving into different energies and doing okay. things differently, if you will. And one of the things that we're actually moving away from, which I call the masculine energy, is the energy of, um, you know, okay. force, of making things happen, of, you know, doing. And we're moving into the feminine, which I call the feminine uh, energy, which is the, you know, about being. And it's about not forcing, but rather in being in the flow. Or- yeah, in the moment more, in the present time, in the flow. It's more about, I guess, manifesting with your spiritual energy rather than, you know, making things okay. physically happen, which is the masculine energy, right? So in other words, and I've done this many times through the process of healing, I've learned, you know, about vibration and how I can change somebody's vibration and it can change their reality. So in other words, we can make things happen by just simply healing something within our vibration and shifting the vibration so that all of a sudden the reality adjusts to you because we're constantly creating reality with our vibration, right? And that is really about the feminine energy. It's about creating something with our energy without forcing it by just adjusting our vibration and the reality would adjust itself to us. And just an example I'll give you out of one of my clients' lives, which was really beautiful. It was a woman that was like a nurse, but she was um, doing a lot of driving from location to another location to another location. And she was like totally overworked, okay? They were constantly bombarding her with more work, more work. And she was very overwhelmed. Turns out she was one of these women or people that, you know, took on too much responsibility. So... Here we are, we did a few healing sessions with her, maybe two, three, or four, healing that aspect of her, shifting that energy within herself of, you know, needing to be responsible for everything, okay? So we healed that to be more balanced, Mm -hmm. okay? And so all of a sudden she tells me, oh, they hired more people at my work, and now I don't have to run around as hard anymore, And but we didn't never said anything to anybody. It's really interesting. our session. Moving from the masculine to the feminine energies, right? Yes, because the feminine energies are about being. Being meaning you are more focused on, you know, being who you are or mm-hmm. becoming who you are or, 
you know, being in the flow of things, in other words, adjusting your vibration to that, to that which you want to create rather than going out there and rioting and forcing and making things happen and yelling at people, right? You're right. just adjusting your stuff. That's more of the feminine energy is about being. The masculine is more about doing, okay? It's very important for people that want to learn more about their issues and how to solve them, seems like. So, yes. Dagmar, how can our listeners find you online? Well, I have a website that's called thespiritualhealer.info, which has all my information in it. Now you can co contact me. So that's the best thing to remember. And so people can just connect with me through the website. I'm also uh, got very much of a presence on Facebook, a lot of different um, groups going. I just started a group called the dark night of the soul, which may actually be, you know, a lot of people may fancy because a lot of people are connecting with their unresolved issues nowadays. And it's really turning some lives upside down for people. And so I actually developed or started that group because of that, because people don't know what to do, you know, and it's really devastating uh, for some. And I'll be actually rolling out quite a few programs to help with all of that. It sounds like you got a lot going on. Dagmar, thanks so much for joining us today. You've been listening to the Closer and Venus podcast. My name is Johnny Burke. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time.